This is exactly right. Welcome to premium episode three of Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. Hello, everyone. Thank you for subscribing and reviewing and rating this show. We'd love that you've joined the Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan community here and on Exactly Right. A reminder for premium subscribers only, every month I host a new Parent Footprint sitting down with Dr. Dan episode where I answer your listener questions about parenting, therapy, news, and much, much more. So here we are, guys. It's September. It's September in the midst of still our pandemic, um, a newer wave, the Delta wave. And we are sending uh, our kiddos back to school and to college. And so for all of us, we're asking lots and lots of questions, which we are going to answer some today. Our producer, Laura Rossi, joins me with these new questions for the back to school season and much more. Hi, hi, hi. But before we get started, I have an announcement. We have Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan merch. How about that, guys? And get this. We have a onesie. It's so cool. Um, we also have sweatshirts and mugs and more. And you can check all of this out, all the Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan merch and swag on exactlyrightmedia.com. Okay. Laura, hey. Hey, Dr. Dan. I'm so glad to be back for my Q&A with you, where I bring you listener questions and you give us your great parenting advice and answers. But I have to say, OMG, the onesie. Uh, Our podcast merch, our pod swag is so cool, so cute. I'm buying one of everything, just so you know. So as you see me in future (laughs) future recordings, I'm going to be decked out in parent footprint merch. I know you will. but I had one little confession to make, which is my twins are grown up. So I was checking out that onesie you mentioned, and I'm thinking it would fit our little dog, a border terrier, perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> would that be really wrong and bad uh, for me? Well, to- we're, no, we just we're going to have to take a picture, and we're going to have to put that up on social so everyone can see that. Okay, maybe yeah. we'll start a yeah, new. We're exactly taking this in a right. whole direction. <laughs> Love nurturing awareness for our pets as well. It just goes. It's beyond. This goes everywhere. I love it. I'm kind of, you know, exactly right. Media has that whole vibe, you know, and think about all our pets from like Elvis to Cookie and beyond. Um, George, I think that's Karen's dog. So, all right. So enough of all that fun. And of course, anything that involves shopping, I'm on it. So (laughs) Dan, (laughs) I am the producer of the podcast and I want to thank all of our listeners all of our followers on social media, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, and email. We're getting questions from all of you. We read every single one. We are keeping a wonderful kind of mail bag full of your questions for future episodes. And for this premium episode, we stuck with a little bit of a theme of back to school. So our first question is from Jamie. This came in uh, on Instagram, and I think it's a perfect back to school question to kick us off. Dan. Dr. Dan, do you think our kids are going to be in school all year in person this year? Jamie, I certainly hope so. Gosh, um, we know that kids need connection. And we know that many, 
not all, but many kids really need to learn in a face-to-face situation and that online learning is uh, can be challenging. I will say there are a set of kids that really benefited from online learning um, and really enjoyed the lack of stress and overwhelm that can be in a regular school uh, situation, social and other. Um, but in the big picture, Um, I've seen kids who in the past really um, didn't like school who were counting the days to get back to school. And so I think this is multifaceted because a lot of this is how do we manage our concerns and our worry in the sense that um, you know, we're seeing all this stuff on the news and we're learning more about the virus and we're seeing where there's different parts of the country where there are some, um, some surges, some parts of the country are closing schools right now. Those tend to be part of the country that have a very low vaccination rate. You know, if we're trying, if we're trying to look at data and we're trying to stay present right now, um, All this is to say is we have to take this one day at a time. And from many people who I've talked to at multiple levels of education um, and mental health, the goal is to keep everyone in school and to keep everyone safe. And if our kids need to go home from school, the plan is for it to be temporary um, and hopefully not to repeat the kind of year that um, we all have been through in the last uh, the last school year, and of course at the beginning of the pandemic. So let's all cross our fingers and uh, let's hope for the best. And again, remember that we keep learning more and more and more about the virus, how to manage the virus, and um, really front and center our kids' mental health and educational needs. Um, and that's what educators are really looking at. Dan, I think that answer is going to help Jamie and all of our listeners because it really just brought me back to the advice you've been giving us throughout the pandemic, which is staying present, listening to the mm-hmm. experts, and and really taking it one day at a time. Um, and as a parent and a lover of therapy, myself personally, and for my family, one thing that I find is very common for all parents right now is this catastrophizing is something mm-hmm. a lot of parents do and thinking the worst case scenario is upon us. But I think if we stay in the present, we stay in today, Mm-hmm. You know, we'll do whatever we have to do for our kids. We got through really tough times and, you know, whether it's college or your child's just starting school, I think that's all we can do right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you, what you just made me think of with, um, the mention of catastrophizing, which I think is a great word. And so for, for folks, that's a, uh, a cognitive behavioral term where it's a, we call it a thinking error or a thought distortion or an irrational thought, which is. We, we, we think in catastrophes, like the worst thing is going to happen. And that's a very natural thing for us to do. Um, so related, definitely like look at your media and news intake, because again, it feeds a lot of fear. So it's really hard to stay grounded and to stay present if we're looking at too much news. So um, of course, you got to be informed. Um, as I always said, as someone who historically stayed away from the news as much as possible, um, I always found out the things that I needed to know. Um, and so just be aware of what you're looking at and where you're getting your information because it can really fuel, without us really realizing it, it fuel our anxiety, our fear, our catastrophizing. And what we just have to do is take one day at a time, whether we're in a pandemic or not, um, it's just even more critical when we have a lot of chaos and uncertainty around us. 
That is so true. That is so, so true. And of course, in, in terms of our um, feelings around our philosophy um, on the podcast, you know, our kids are always watching. Yes. Our kids are watching what we model and they're mm-hmm. picking up on our energy. So I think like Dan said, pandemic or not, it's up to us to kind of put forward that positive can do attitude every day, pandemic yeah. or not. So thank you. That's very helpful to me as, I, as I'm navigating um, a child in college and then another child, um, you know, kind of still in the school system. So um, I always learn from our podcast, Dan. So question number two, um, it's a little bit of a longer question, but I think it's worth reading. And I am pleased to say this came in uh, via email. This is from Jessica. Hi, Dr. Dan. I'm hoping you can offer some insight to me regarding my five-year-old son and his interests. I'm, he's excelling in his first grade year of school and is a great communicator and a total sweetheart. I worry, though, because he completely fixates on whatever his current interest is, completely forgets about everything else. For example, right now, he's into Minecraft. It's all he talks about and all he wants to do. Before Minecraft, it was his toy trains. Every conversation about trains. I guess what I want to know is, is this normal behavior when he gets fixated on an interest and doesn't want to play with other toys or books that aren't related? Should I worry? We do limit his time to one day a week uh, to play certain things on Friday evenings when he's had a a good day or a good week at school. Thanks very much for answering this and taking the time to read, Dan. You're very welcome. That's a great question. Um, So I get this a lot. Um, The question, the, the, the key part of this question is, is this normal? And um, so, I want to start at a at a, um, a higher twenty thousand foot view, and then uh, and then focus in here. The whole concept of normal these days is uh, been turned upside down, and because there really there's so much variability in development, um, especially with younger kids who are still developing, and the terms that we are now using more from a developmental perspective is neurotypical versus neurodiverse. And when the way I see it from a visual perspective is neurotypical are these developmental behaviors that are in sort of that medium range of the bell curve, like not super high, not super um, low or lagging. And then when we have neurodiversity, there are some smatterings within that profile that are more on the tail ends of that bell curve. Um, so then we're asking like, is this typical behavior? And now there's ranges of all of these different developmental trajectories that we're looking at, or is it neurodiverse? So I would say that um, you've already somewhat answered your question, which is why you're asking it. So you have a five-year-old in kindergarten who is advanced, um, seems to be advanced academically, and seems to be advanced verbally. So right there, that might be outside of neurotypical. That child might be a little higher up on that bell curve there. And um, that doesn't mean it's it's a problem. It just might mean that it's different from peers. Now, when we see kids, um, this is actually one of the um, types of profiles that we often uh, specialize in, I do in our at our center, is when you have kids that are showing to have some advanced development, with that also tends to come some with some intensities um, and this passion area and focus and what some people can even call like obsessiveness 
on areas of interest. So it's not uncommon for a child to be really interested in cars and then line them up and then do everything with cars. And then they move on to dinosaurs or the solar system. And like every year, every six months, they become an expert in something new. And then Minecraft, wow, Minecraft just blows kids away. It blows, um, actually, all all kids really like it, but particularly um, creative kids, visual spatial kids, engineering kids um, love it because they can create. And then what happens is these worlds become worlds of their own, and then they learn all the ways to modify and to hack and to create. And so what happens is their mind just totally expands And then we tell them to go and um, write the letter A 25 times on their piece of paper or these other things that they they have to do, particularly if they tend to be advanced. And so it's not uncommon for these these bright kids, I'm saying this, this profile right now, to really be infatuated, fixated, and obsessed on an area of interest and really have a difficult time engaging in other um, activities. So, So a few things. First of all, we don't want to worry. We want to actually just observe and as much as possible be in awe of our child's development, regardless of what that developmental trajectory is. Um, What you're doing to limit time is important. It's going to be frustrating for him, but to limit screen time, we need to do that as we're raising healthy uh, screen uh, participators, you know, from now to high school to going off to college. Like we're starting now to say, okay, here's how we, this is the amount of time that's good for us. Here's when we're going to do it. We're going to structure it. And then also to try to help your child just also be aware that other people might have different interests. And it's never too young to help kids start to look at other people's faces to get a sense of, is this person really care about what I'm saying or interested in me? And if you see that the child says, well, they don't want to play with me anymore, you know, you don't want to shame them. We want to say like, hmm, let's, well, let's think about this is what might be going on. Do you, do you know, do you find that they don't like to talk about this as much as you do? Do they get to talk about what they want to talk about? Now, again, your child is five, but this is like a slow move, um, a slow, a slow, um, you're chipping away and building skills while trying to create awareness for your child. Um, I know I'm talking a lot here. This is a great question. This is okay. great. Okay. There's a lot so the to other, say, Dan. Keep yeah, going. there's a lot to say. So there's, so another thing that I would say is if you have concerns about um, developmental issues, that's when you check in with your teacher. How, you know, how is my child compared to, you know, in these areas compared to others? Are they fitting in? Are they not fitting in? Now, remember, neurotypical versus neurodiverse. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's bad. You're just trying to get a sense of your child's development. And then, of course, there's always your pediatrician who has seen tons of of kids over the years to also be able to weigh in as well if you have any concern um, or concern areas. That's Laura, great. you're nodding. You're nodding. You I'm have nodding some so yes. much. Well, yeah. First of all, yeah. everything you said, I, I totally agree with. I love that I can sort of bring my experience to our listeners on these premium episodes because I'm a mom of twins and not only twins, but boy-girl twins. And so I have seen and still see differences just between the boy and girl development, the maturity, how their interests manifested themselves, um, you know, what might have been neurodiverse versus typical. And I love that Jessica is 
involved and and noticing you know these nuances of her child she's a great mom and I'm a great parent that really just shines um, through her email so what I want to just say is that keeping involved with the teachers talking to your pediatrician if you have worries I do think moms have good instincts on their kiddos mm-hmm. so um, you know not catastrophizing but just you know keeping an eye on the development five is young that's a lot of um, mm-hmm. The first time some kiddos are in school and around peers, if they haven't done, you know, extensive preschool. And I think, you know, for us, we we did eventually end up, you know, coming to a place raising our twins um, with having a special needs child. But our son had a lot of typical things and a lot of neurodiverse things mixed in. And, and I think, you know, our daughter did too in her own ways. And we did not really get any sense of a diagnosis until, you know, nine, 10 years old. So, mm-hmm. I mean... I really think it's very particular to each child and it's also a boy girl thing. So yeah, it's exciting yeah. to me to hear yeah. this mom talk about her son's interests and yet, you know, also just, you know, wanting to not miss any red flags if there are any. And, and I'm right. not saying there are any, Jessica, I'm saying you're involved with kind of the day to day of your son who's so lucky to have that attention from you and just keep, you know, Keep playing with him and watching what he loves and, you know, you're going to find the path you need, whether um, it's just sort of this is his own development or, you know, other stuff. Would you agree, well, and, Dan? And that's and you're bringing, yeah, and you're bringing up that fine line of um, neurodiversity does not equal pathology. Um, and so wanting to have an open mind of that every child's unique developmental trajectory and, as you're saying, if over time there becomes a concern by, you know, other also people in the community and the teachers and you have some concerns, definitely, you know, go and consult with someone because there's so much stuff that we can do for early intervention and early skill building. Um, But I guess what we're saying here is to, you know, have that, try to have that that healthy distance as much as possible for us parents to have while we're taking in all of this data and observing and know that, um, I think of uh, a great podcast that we've done here um, with Jonathan Mooney that I reference <laughs> quite a bit is uh, his latest book is uh, Normal Sucks. <laughs> and so that we have to get away from that term of like, we want our children to be normal and to fit in because it's just so, so narrow. Um, oh, that's such a great yeah. way to, to kind so of we look at the long haul. Look yeah, at the long and really, haul. I mean, in some ways, the word normal doesn't even apply anymore. And this is not right. to criticize Jessica, but yeah. um, we really can't define normal. Even as, as grownups, we look at ourselves. We all have our own quirks and nuances and pieces of our personalities that, you know, if we're putting them under a microscope, could be one thing or another. But in, at the end of the day, they kind of just make up this whole big, beautiful package of us as individuals. And I think, you know, even talking about acceptance and ownership of, you know, what you like and what you don't like. I think that's a great skill for a five-year-old. So yeah. um, just enjoy your parenting journey and and know um, your son's in great hands because you're involved. So absolutely. Long question, long answer, and I yes. think totally appropriate yeah. as we're going back to school too. And we're, we're getting the ability for other eyes to be um, on our children, which is great because it takes a village, Dan, as I it know, does. and you know. Our third question for today is from Mom Jen. And this also came in uh, via email. And in case any of you are listening and you have questions, email your questions to podcast at drdanpeters.com. And that's also on our website, drdanpeters.com. So 
Hi, Dr. Dan. First off, I love your show. I've been looking into balancing my Murderino podcast library. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) And yours is a great fit. So it's a Murderino, my favorite murder. Everyone, you know, remember we're part of Exactly Right. Karen and Georgia, thank you. So here is Jen's question. I have a kindergartner this year, so also around five. assume. I'm looking for tips on making her more confident and less anxious. I've also talked to her about strangers. What's a better way to approach this for little kids? I don't want to make them sheltered, but I want awareness. Thank you, Dr. Dan. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you for listening, uh, Mom Jen. And we know that many murderinos um, have that um, obsessive interest with the show. And it's, it's, it's a it's it, there's a lot there's a lot of people out there right so that's just goes with the show um it does and they're back yeah, yay yeah, karen and, and george back. are back yeah <laughs> okay we're diverging okay but. <laughs> okay so parenting that's right parenting so um first off kindergarten is big right like going into kindergarten is a huge milestone so a lot of kids are hesitant um, with that kindergarten step, you know, usually the classes bump up to 20 or 30. You're having to sit on the rug longer. I mean, this isn't preschool anymore, right? You have desks, you have like a, a more often a more strict schedule. There's more production, you know, like kind of structured production. So first of all, just to normalize, this is a big thing. Um, secondly, I think about asking like, is our, our kids more introverted and shy and they take longer time to warm up um, or are kids more extroverted? I mean, in this, ki- this case, I don't think you have an extrovert. It sounds like more it's someone who is slower to warm, is a little more shy, maybe a little more standoffish. And I, so I think as um, thinking back when our kids were young too, I think what, the, what always played on me was this idea that our kids needed to be I don't know, for lack of a better word, they needed to be extroverts. Like our kids needed to come in and just be comfortable and talk to people and go with the flow. And that is not who we got as kids. And so as they got older, was learning their patterns. And so for all of them, they were slow to warm and with every new teacher, with every new classroom, with every all with new classmates, and it would take them a while to get their stride. And so that's one thing I just want to say is just to think about that for her in terms of her personality and her taking a, um, a new step. Um, I think in terms of worry, anxiety, confidence, if you are able to identify with her what you think she's nervous about or might be anxious about, whether it be, well, I don't know where to sit. I don't know who to talk to. What if I don't know how to um, do what they asked me to? If you're able to start talking is, is I would, um, you know, we say you got to name, you name it to tame it, right? That comes up a lot. It's like, try to have a conversation about the things that are in her head to try to get them out of her head. Not all kids at this age can do that, but it's like, let's have conversation about it. So what's it like today? What are the things that you're looking forward to? What are the things that you might be worried about? And then with her, try to come up with different strategies about what she can do in those situations. So she has a plan because a lot of kids, you know, or and adults, like when we're nervous, we don't know what we're, it's like the, what if, What's what's going to happen if? But if we can have a plan about what's going to happen if, um, it can really be helpful. It can really calm some of the the nervousness because then when the worry monster, as I like to call it, says, "Hey, um, 
what's going to happen if they call on you to say something and you don't know what to say, um, you can have a plan. You could say, um, um, I'm sorry, I do not know. Or you can make a joke. Or you can um, say anything you want. But part of it is like coming up with a little plan. Okay, so that's one thing. I think the dialogue is important to keep it a running dialogue without overwhelming the child um, with dialogue about worry and fear, which which goes to the next question that you're asking. This great question about like fine line between like, how do you make a child? Well, how do you make a child be aware of strangers? Um, also, I'm thinking of like without being fearful of everyone, right? So bottom line is we are living in a world where bad things happen. And we need our kids to be safe and to feel safe. So I still, um, you know, some of the some research that I was reading recently was talking about how kids feel comfortable around adults who they see being their their uh, their parents being comfortable with. So on the one hand, helping your ch children realize that there are people that they. Um, can trust because you trust those people, but that people that we haven't met before, we're not sure that we can trust them yet, right? So I'm going to say something that I was told as a kid, and then you know we told our kids, and this 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 is timeless, even though our world has changed quite a bit. Is you know you don't leave anywhere from any place, um, even when someone says your mommy told you me to get you. Right, you only leave mm -hmm. from the place with the person who I tell you is going to pick you up. Um, so it's like that to me is a rule because it's just about safety. And we say this to young kids because young kids don't know yet how to discern the difference often between something that's safe and something that's unsafe, particularly with an adult who could be nice and friendly. So yeah. the other thing that we talk about is with young kids is how do we, it's more like a conversation. How do we know when we trust someone and there are people we can trust? Because some kids, you know, are really standoffish and don't trust, seemingly trust anyone because they have some um, stranger anxiety, uh, right? So that's on one end of the spectrum. And then you have other kids who just walk up to anyone and be like, hey, what's your name? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's almost like on the other end of the continuum, continuum we're like, wow, they're really friendly, but um, we need to rein this back in. So I like having conversations about who, how do we know we trust someone? How long should we know someone before we think we can trust them? What are the kind of things that we would be willing to do with someone that we've just met? Um, and the difference between a child on a playground or an adult who comes up to you on a playground. Um, so I guess all this is to say, Mom Jen, is it's complicated, and I think we it's worth taking the time to like slowly educate and try to find that middle between safety, but not creating fear. I think that is so smart. And starting, Dan, you know, at this young age, kindergarten, you know, making it age appropriate is going to just become a parenting pattern between you and your child because as your kiddos are navigating starting school and then moving up through elementary school. And then at a certain age, whether we like it or not, they're going to be exposed to social media, you know, of course, age mm -hmm. appropriately and with, with time limits, but um, there are different pieces of this education about strangers. And so to start a calm and safe conversation at this age, um, I think that's kind of a brilliant approach because parents are going to need to kind of dip back into that time and mm -hmm. time again. Um, all, and I mean, I'm doing it now with a college age 
child. Oh, yeah. It, it never just, ends. It never ends. ends. But if you start having those conversations in a calm way that isn't frightening children and just, you know, basically anchoring it in fear, they're going to hear you and then they're going to yeah. put that in their toolbox. Um, yes. So thanks yes. for addressing that, Dan. I want to go back to the beginning of Jen's question because I'm wondering if you have experienced any of this um, in, in your practice and, and through your work at Summit Center, um, which is because of the pandemic, there are some children that really haven't been in school at all. And right. That's right. probably yeah. like an anxiety inducing situation for mom, dad, or moms and dads, you know, whatever you're kind of, you define as your family. Yes. yes. What do you have any advice for parents that like, this is the first time that's maybe they didn't have preschool. Point. But, yeah. And mom well, yeah, and dad, that, before you answer, I'm, I'm feeling like I, I have to put myself in their shoes and think there's no way that those parents are not also exuding or what's the word? Like, I don't know the right word, but you know, their anxiety is kind of coming off of them because they have probably for some of these ages, not ever had their child in a school setting. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, because our normal is not normal, but it's becoming normal. Like our new normal, like we're all just living this. Um, but yeah, there are so many kids that have not done any of this yet, particularly when we're getting to preschool and um, and kindergarten, because they haven't had that much of that opportunity before the pandemic. So I think this point, Laura, that you're bringing up is, and I have to check myself all the time on this too, we are trying to have life as normal and life as usual and get back to the swing of things. And in many ways we have with this backdrop, but it's it development has been disruptive and experiences have been disruptive for these little beings. Like we all have had a lot of life before this. The kids have not. Um, the kids, there are, you know, there are many people who have never gone to a prom and missed a whole season of football. You know, I mean, like all these normal, typical things have not been very typical. So yes, so if you're going back to school when you've been home and your whole family's been home together and everyone's been working together and now it's like, bye-bye. Yeah, talk about anxiety creator, particularly for kids who more lean that way temperamentally anyways, but also for anyone. Right. So yeah, so it's just that, thank you for that context. Um, important to remember the context. And, and And here's the other thing that I'll say. Um, and this is just me projecting onto this, is um, I know that a lot of my parenting voices when our kids were young, that's, it was something like this. If, they, if, if they're not able to do this now, then they won't be able to do X, Y, and Z later. And you know what, what I want to say to those voices is that is you know, that might have a, a, a little bit of true, but there's a, so much BS in that. And all <laughs> that does is create more pressure for you and especially for your child in the moment to get through a developmental milestone that they might not be fully ready for. This or has they been a Peters and Rossi production. Through because this with is Dr. Dan a long is produced by Laura development. Rossi. Our engineer um, is you know, Phil Rossi. Development, Theme music to is Mountain Spring like, High, composed and performed by Gabriel has, Lewis. Has, has, has Artwork is by Garrett the Ross. Time 
timeline a couple more follow years us on Instagram and Facebook is being mixed up parent footprints so podcast I guess what and I'm on Twitter saying and Laura, at Dr. Dan Peters big deep if you are an advertiser about, um, interested in advertising on our show there's been a lot going go on to midroll and um, a lot of people are doing a lot of things ads. for the first time for more information go to exactlyrightmedia.com I, I think all this fits listen subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts that I think this applies to all ages. I love that you use the word disrupting or disrupted or, you know, it's just been a disruption. And I think milestones, social opportunities, all sorts of things have been a little bit derailed. And I think our kids are going to be fine in the end. But I think bringing that patience and awareness to our children and ourselves is really important right now as we kind of enter a new season and a new time, yet there are remnants and unknowns all around us. Um, and that if, if your kid needs an extra hug or extra support or, you know, isn't where they were, you know, two years ago, I think knowing that there's been some disruption and that we're all going through it, it you know, it, it's a real relief for me to even hear that personally and as a parent. So I think uh, <laughs> we could do a whole other show just on this topic, Dan, but we're getting yes. to the point where we're wrapping up our yes. third premium episode, uh, bonus episode for all our cool great subscribers. So I will let yeah. you take us out, Dan. And thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Um, we love these questions and we love interacting this way and we will look forward to continuing to do so. Uh, this is what it is all about is sharing uh, these, uh, these, these life experiences together and uh, hopefully uh, sharing from the collective wisdom is really what we all need to do. Okay, guys, so um, be sure to listen to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan, you know, the regular show where we have them every Thursday. And then, of course, these Stitcher Premium episodes every month. Follow us at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. And you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to think about the guiding question I ask myself every day. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. If you are an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll dot com forward slash ads for more information go to exactlyrightmedia.com listen subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts